Good morning. You know, we are a body. And uh, in the notices it says that I'm going to be speaking out of uh, 1 Peter 2.9, which is true. And as we were standing out here praying this morning, Neil said to me, oh, that's the, the fulfilment of the word that uh, Moses spoke in Exodus. And I said, yes, it is. And I thought, I remember that, but I didn't actually have that as part of my preparation. But thank you, Neil, because that's spot on. You see, God had a plan back then that he needed a people. And he chose a people to be his people in the earth. And you know why he did that? He did that, that we could be intercessors for the rest of mankind, that we could be a holy nation of people unto God. And we would be priests. We would be a, 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 a people who would bring their lives and give their focus to God, that he would receive our worth and that the people he chose were special to him and that, that those people would have this relationship with God that was so alive and vibrant that it would not only bless God's heart, but bring fulfillment into the earth and restore the earth back to the relationship that was in the beginning. And guess what? They blew it. They just blew it. They didn't get it. They weren't able to live in that space of being a holy nation under God. And so what we saw then was a world that went further and further into decay and God himself continued to prop it up and pick up the pieces day after day. And so what the, what the people did then was they selected a few, or God told them to select a few who would be the priests, who would be the ones that on behalf of the rest of the family, the rest of the Israelite nation, they would be the ones that would come before God and ask for forgiveness on behalf of the others. And they would be the ones that would, would cry out to God for the earth and cry out to God and, and get things sorted out for the people. And they were, they were the priests whose job was just to, to, to seek God, seek his forgiveness and ask for this restoration of relationship. And so they were the ones that the people said, well, we'll get you to do that so that we'll kind of get on and do what we want over here. That was not uh, the role of everybody. It was the role of the priests. And did the priests do it well all the time? Well, the book would tell us they didn't quite get it right either. But they were, they were about trying to look after their responsibility. But they also drifted off into being somewhat inclined at times to look for what they could get out of it. And so time goes by, Jesus comes, and Jesus then declared that there was another starting point, that there would be another time for a people that would be set apart who would want to be those that would give glory to God. And that would be the people of the kingdom. And these people of the kingdom are ones who have said yes to Jesus, and that steps us out of being in a relationship with the world into a relationship with the kingdom of God. And today we're going to look at that. The Apostle uh, Paul, we looked at last week, and his writings in Corinthians particularly, where he spoke to the people who'd come out of the world and said yes to Jesus. And today we look at what Peter writes to the scattered church. And he says, we've, come, we've been called together as we come to be a kingdom people. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. And I was really, really blessed because when Kirk prayed this morning for the nation, we were doing what we're meant to do. We are called out as a people out of the, out of the, 
the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, to be the people who will be priestly, who will stand in the gap. We will be intercessors for the purposes of God's heart for the land. Do you get it? We are. We're meant to do that. So if you say, I don't know what I'm meant to do for God, I'll tell you what you're meant to do. You're meant to be an intercessor above all else. And sometimes that word really grates because we go, oh, you know, I don't want to be an intercessor. I want to do something else. No. First and foremost, cry out as a saint. Now, I've preached this a long time ago, but I still love coming back to it. You can call me Saint David because I am. And I'll call you Saint Carol because I'm married to her, I have to say that. No, that's not true. It is true that Carol is a saint, as you all are who have come to Jesus. We have become a royal priesthood, and we are set apart unto the Lord. So it's quite appropriate to call one another saints. I think it's pretty cool, actually. I think it sounds good, too, you know. So I'm quite okay if you want to call me Saint David. I won't be offended. Um, and I'll try and remember your name. I'll just say, good day, saint, that'll do. So we are set apart as a people. And Peter wrote to the, to the scattered church and said, guys, you might be spread out, but you're a people. You're meant to be a people for a purpose. And so this morning we want to look into that. The theme for the year that the Lord has laid upon the hearts of the leadership on Kirk and Nick and the leadership that Kirk released into our understanding last week and if you weren't here listen to the message and in the notices today there's a little square at the top that says better together and that is what we're on about being better together but God like us breaks things down into bite-sized pieces and and the first thing is that God's timing is always right and so we try to learn what God's saying in the moment, in the time. And then the next thing is that we only do what we see the Father doing. John 5, 19. Our calling is to be those that would seek to honour God by doing what he's showing us to do. And so we as a people have said, Lord, what is this time for us and what are we to do in this time? And God's word has come to us that we are the body gathered and we are better together. Now, there are some of us that aren't here today. And that might sound a funny thing to say, but some of us aren't here today. That doesn't mean that some of each of us isn't here, but some of the total isn't here today. And therefore, we are not as good as we would be if they were here. I don't apologise for that. It's a truth. We are not as good as we would be if we were all together here. And that's not because of any um, thing that God is upset with. It's just that we together are better together than when we're not together. We are better for the things of God. There would have been more of us praying for the nation today and more of us going home to pray for the nation this week if we'd have been here today. The people that aren't here did not hear that cry of the Lord's heart being expressed through Kirk today. You see, there are little things like that that matter. They matter, and that's why it's important for us to gather as one whenever we can. So the Lord came and he showed us he had a mission to establish something in the earth. What was it? The kingdom of God. Jesus came and he taught and brought the kingdom. He brought and taught the kingdom. 
I was a Christian for many, many years and I really didn't understand the kingdom of God. I understood I was saved, I understood all of that, but I hadn't ever fully grasped what the kingdom was about. And I've got to thank the vineyard for actually opening the door more fully into my understanding for the early teaching that I received when I became connected to it long before we planted the church. I learned a lot about the kingdom. And then I realised that when I learned about the kingdom, I was learning about the now of what God wanted to do and the not yet of what God is doing or not doing right now. And so Jesus came to establish the kingdom and then he said, I'm only going to do what I see the Father doing. He came in, uh, when we were powerless. Uh, Romans tells us that, Romans 5. It says, he came when we were powerless. He died for us so we could embrace his offer of a new life through his death. And we could live fully in the reconciled with the Father lifestyle that he established for us. Romans 5, 6, and 11, 6 to 11, if you want to read it, I recommend it. It's a good passage of scripture to let soak into your heart and your spirit. So Jesus came and died so that we could come and have life. And we have life through his death and his resurrection, reconciled. So this new and reconciled life is for us what we walked into when we say yes to Jesus. Does everyone get that? It's really important that we get that. You see, it's not the old life reconditioned. It's a new life. It's a new beginning when we come to Jesus. And it's really important that we get that because sometimes what we'll do is want to drag along all the past with us and say, well, this is, this, you know, I've spent 30 years learning this stuff and it's really important. Well, sometimes it's 30 years of learning we've got to forget because it gets in the road of the new life. Old habits die hard is an expression. It's a very true expression. So we need to know that it's a brand new start when we've come to Jesus. Now, if we've been living in the shadow of the old life this morning, I really want to encourage you, and we'll have ministry on time later, and Kirk touched on it with again with the, the, the guilty conscience, I really, really today want you to be willing to shed all the old that you might have brought with you into the new, whether it was 30 years ago or three years ago or three days ago, and come into the full blessing of the new life that's ours in Jesus Christ, that's yours and mine. You get that? Hang on a sec. You get that? Great. Feel free to yell out. I like it. I like it when you yell out. It's okay. So last week, Kirk taught into the fact that we were all part of this new body that was established. And, and we spent time in Corinthians and Romans looking at that. We're all parts of this new, vibrant, living expression of Jesus in the earth. Because that's what we are. That's what we're meant to be. A vibrant, living expression of Jesus today in the earth. Did you know that? Did you know that you're meant to be a vibrant, living expression of Jesus in the earth today? Oh, yeah, you are. So I bless that to you. I bless you to be that. Because God wants to see that. He wants us to be like that. And so today we want to build on this as... The Apostle Peter wrote to us his letter, his letter to the church. So let's read. Uh, turn to 1 Peter if you have your Bibles with you. I don't have it up on the screen, but I will read to you uh, from the first letter that Peter wrote. Peter wrote this letter about eight years after Paul wrote the letter to the Corinthians, and they wrote from Rome. So Peter was in Rome when he wrote this letter, and he was writing to the, the church as it had become and as it had spread out. This is about 60-odd years after. 
uh, sorry, after, yeah, uh, 60 odd years, 55 years or something. So Peter wrote this and he wrote it to the scattered church and he says this right at the beginning of, of 1 Peter 1 actually, to God's elect, and listen to, this, to, the, to the description, strangers in the world, scattered throughout the world, I won't read all the places, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. So God chose you through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkled by his blood. So this is, the, this is God's idea. Peter's saying this is God's idea, that the Father has picked you out and at the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's drawn you to being saying yes, yes to Jesus. And that with that and the, and the washing of Jesus' blood, which is a thing that happens in the spirit, we have become strangers to the earth. In other words, the earth finds us a little weird sometimes. The friends that don't know Jesus would find you a little weird. Let's go over to chapter 2. Therefore, because of that, because of who we've become, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. You know why? Because that's what the world is like. But we're not in the world anymore, so we've stepped out of that. Now, sometimes it's a bit like walking through clay, you know? We get it on our feet and it's hard to shake off and some of that stuff comes with us into our new life. That doesn't distress God. It doesn't disqualify us. He just wants us to keep walking and gradually that stuff will come off our feet. Sometimes we get to walk through an acid bath and it comes off just like that. Sometimes it doesn't and that's okay. So don't judge yourself against your brother or sister who seems to have got it all together all of a sudden because if you're like me, it takes a long time sometimes to get past the mud on my feet. But Jesus washes my feet every day and I say thank you to that Lord. As I confess my sin, he's faithful to forgive me. So like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. You see, we're saved and then we grow up in our salvation. It, it's not like we're saved and we're fully transformed instantly. We're, we're beginning in a whole new way again at that moment but our salvation is a growing experience as you come to him the living stone this is Jesus he's speaking of here rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood I'm going to read this again and read it slowly you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Remember I talked about what the priest's job was before? Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In scripture it says, see I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. This is Jesus and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, 
But to those that do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become a capstone, a stone over their grave, and a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. What it means there, and, and this whole predestination thing can get messy sometimes, what I embrace as God's saying in his word is that there, if we choose to say no to Jesus, the, the result is we're not going to be with the Father. That's the predestination of the decision. Rather than necessarily say, I'm, I'm predestined to not make it, I believe God's offer is for everyone to say yes in Jesus and some people will say no. Some people will say no. Not everybody is going to be saved. It's God's heart that everybody would say yes to Jesus. Hold that in your heart because that's truth. But not everybody will. And those that don't are predetermined to not have eternal relationship with God. That's predestination in my interpretation and understanding of it. But there's always a chance until the last breath for someone to say yes to Jesus, no matter what their life has been like. I've shared with some of you the story of my dad. He gave his heart to the Lord when he was in his early 30s. I was, well, he's probably mid-30s. I was a young teenager. And for a few years, his life was amazing. It was very different. He'd been a wild man, but he suddenly became a new man and then he had an encounter with the demonic he thought it was God he saw this white light coming towards him and dad went to speak to the light and the light said to him get away from me you're not worthy and he said well if that's your attitude up you I'm out of here and he, he turned his back and said there is no longer any relationship with God and he got to the point of saying there is no God for the next 40 years of his life when he was 71 I got to share with him when he was in hospital in Adelaide when he, was, he had lung cancer. And I said, Dad, we've been robbed of a lifetime relationship here. We're not going to be robbed of an eternity together. We're going to talk about Jesus. And we did. And I said, you know what happened? When he told me what had happened to him about this white light, I said, you were just tricked by Satan. The Bible tells us that the enemy comes masquerading as an angel of light. God would never say to you, get away from me, you're not worthy, because you had once said yes to Jesus. And what little colour he had in his face drained out. But I said, I, 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 said, I think that you're okay with God because you've now realised that that was the enemy lying to you and he's robbed us of, of a life of sharing life together, which he had done, the enemy had done that. We'd been estranged for most of his life. But I said, let's take out some insurance. Let's say, Lord, we're sorry and, and, and see what God does. Well, I've got to tell you, I have never seen the presence of God on a person like I saw the Holy Spirit come on my dad that day. I was offended at the grace of God. I, I really was. I, I, I stand here confessing that because I asked the Holy Spirit, I asked for, for God to bless dad. I had my eyes closed as I was praying and I opened my eyes and the peace of God was on my father in a way I've never seen on anybody before. And it was like, God, he's a bad guy. Did he just turn up like that? And he did. God did. He turned up like that. And not only that, but dad, I, I said, Lord, can you give dad another six months? This was in the October and I knew dad wanted to get through to Anzac Day because he was the president of the RSL out in Alice Springs. 
and he wanted to be there for the big, big event that they'd planned for Anzac Day with the Americans and all the rest of it. And I knew it was important to him. I said, Lord, can you get Dad through to there? Whereas the hospital had said he had six weeks to live. Well, I flew back to Brisbane that night, and the next day I got a phone call from the hospital saying they were discharging him and that he could go home. And it was like, that's a bit sudden. And um, anyway, Dad had said, can I come over and visit? And I said, sure. So he came over to visit us in the November, and uh, he said, when it's my time, and I know it's not far away, he said, I want you to do my funeral, and I want you to tell it like it is. I said, okay. That'd be... I think all right. <laughs> and uh, I got to do that in Alice Springs in the June. We got through to the April. I went to Alice Springs for the Anzac Day celebration. It was an awesome time. It was great. The next day, Dad sat down and said, I don't feel too well. He went into hospital a few, weeks, a few days later and went to be with the Lord six weeks later. So God is faithful when we say yes to Jesus, we move out of the world into a new relationship. But let me tell you, as happened to him, the enemy will try to trick you. He will try to come after you. He will try to trick you into saying what's happened to you is not real. He will try to deny the reality of you having been born again and come alive to Christ. Because that's what he does. He wants to, he can't, he couldn't stop my dad having an eternal relationship, but he could mess with the one he was having here on earth and rob him of the relationship that was rightfully mine to have with my dad. And many other people. He was a charismatic personality. There were a thousand people came to his funeral at Alice Springs out the back of the RSL club. And I got to share the gospel with them because dad said, tell it like it is. I still would have done it differently, but God was good. He came through. I wasn't meaning to tell that story, so I have no idea where I'm up to on my notes now. <clears throat> but I guess we can go on. Peter uses the word aliens, aliens from another world to describe who we are. So the other thing we could do, apart from saying hello saint, we could say welcome alien as we come to church. That would be another way to greet one another, wouldn't it? Welcome alien. Because <laughs> we are, as far as the world is concerned, we are alien to the world. Or we're meant to be. We're meant to look different. We're meant to sound different. We're meant to be different from the culture that is of the world. See, we've stepped out of the world and we've stepped into Jesus and the kingdom of God. And that makes us uniquely different from what the world is looking like so welcome alien we're meant to display to the world what it looks like to be in the kingdom of god the world is looking at us and we're meant to be displaying what it looks like to live in this other place called god's kingdom and you know what another thing that was prayed this morning i, I, I love it when god puts all the pieces together it's about joy. You know, I live in a place of joy because I live in a relationship with God. If I was relating to the world, I wouldn't be a very happy chappy because it's not always nice to me. In fact, quite often it's really a storm all around me. Some people kind of pull back from me because when they meet with me, they walk into a storm. It's not of my making. 
Well, I don't, I hope not. Generally, it's because there's a battle going on and there's a storm. But the kingdom of God is a kingdom of life, a kingdom of hope, a kingdom of joy, where we, we know that we have been transferred from the ranks of the walking dead to the ranks of the joyous living. Amen? That's what's happened to us. We're being transferred from the ranks of the walking dead to the ranks of the joyous living. That's what happens when we give our lives to Jesus. And that's what happens when we become part of this new holy priesthood of believers that Peter talks about here. Did I finish reading it? They stumble because they disobey the message. But you are, this is verse 9 of, of, of uh, chapter 2. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who calls you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Amen? Is that something to be excited about? I think it is. That's who we are. That's who we are. That's who we are. But there's more. Once you were not a people... But now you are the people of God. You see, once we were just individuals that the enemy had a relationship with because we were selfish, self-centered sinners. But when we say yes to Jesus, we become part of the people of God because we take off ourself and we give ourselves to Jesus. The old, we, we bury it. We ask God to bury it and we keep trying to crawl out of the hole but he understands that, but he's called us into being the people. Now, you know what it goes on and says here? And this is the difference between the people, a people and the people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You see, the difference is mercy. Mercy is what makes the difference to us. That's why I came to Jesus. Not because I was smart, but because God's mercy reached out to me. His heartache for me drew me to the Father through the Holy Spirit. And it was his mercy that made a change for me. One of the reasons we call next door the Mercy Center is it's because it is coming from the heart of God to people for them. God came to us in Jesus for us to lift us out of the despair and the end of darkness that we were walking in. And what happened was we received mercy. So we have come to be a people, a life-sharing people. We share Jesus' life. We cannot survive and thrive without being in a living stone connectedness with Jesus and, dare I say, the other royal priesthood of living stones. Okay? That's the bit that I was getting at before when I said some of us aren't here today and that therefore diminishes the wholeness of what God had for us today. Because... The cornerstone in a building is the one that the builders take all reference from. They put it down first at the corner. I'm not a carpenter or a builder, but I understand this to be true. And that's the, the plumb point that they build the wall from. Jesus is that. 
And so as those, as the Holy Spirit builds, he builds in line with what is in Jesus' heart and brings us to the wall as living stones. So we're in the right place as a living stone because the Holy Spirit puts us there. And God looks at us and says, that's where you belong. And when we don't gather together, the wall has got holes in it. I'm not trying to put the guilts on you if you're not here every week. I'm just saying, it's a fact. There are holes in the wall when the stones aren't here. So it's not just me not being here. Because I'm not here, the, the stones around me that are touching me normally in the wall, they're not, uh, they're not there to touch me and I'm not there to touch them. So the flow of life through the living stone doesn't connect. This is a really, really, really powerful word that Peter is speaking to the church. He's saying, stay connected, church. You are better together than when you are apart because it's God's plan to be like that. We can't survive and thrive without being connected to the living stone. We can only be better together, not apart. Once we hadn't received mercy, now we have received mercy. We are indeed new people in Jesus. I've got all the pages mixed up here, which is not unusual. The defining factor in all of this is our choice and God's action. He makes us new to live new as a royal priesthood, the world tells us, the word tells us, a holy nation belonging to God, so that we may declare by our alien lifestyle praise and thanksgiving to God for a new living forever life. The actual holy nation of people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's, a, that's an important part of understanding who we are. We're not meant to be muted Christians. We're meant to be loud and proud of Jesus. I've heard that phrase used in other places. But I'm loud and proud for Jesus. Don't have the enemy steal the words that are important for us to declare for Jesus. Really important. Be aliens. Be willing to speak out and declare the praise and thanksgiving to God for our new living forever life. In the message, Peterson puts it this way. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him to tell others, love this, of the night and day difference he made for you. From nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Amen? Is that, is that how it is for you? It's meant to be. It's meant to be like that. That we understand the night and day difference of what life was like before we said yes to Jesus and what it is now. From nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Wow. 
Wow, wow, wow. Peter explains in this that Jesus is four stones in one. He says he's a living stone, he's a cornerstone, he's the rejected stone, and he's the stumbling stone. They're the four definitions of Jesus in this passage. As the living stone, he is the one that life flows from to us. As the cornerstone, he's the one we take our reference point from to live in the earth. As the rejected stone, he's the one that has embraced all the rejection on our behalf. Don't forget that. Don't embrace rejection for yourself when it comes to you against what you stand for. And he is the stumbling stone for all those that don't want to see and understand mercy. And the world would want you to earn what God wants to give you. God wants to give you a relationship. The world says, ah, ah, you've got to be like this or like that. Or if you don't do this and you don't do that, you can't have that. That's not what God does. That's the world. So we come to him by choice as the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. And we also, like living stones in Jesus, are being built into a spiritual house, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. Hebrews 13, 15 and 16 tells us what these spiritual sacrifices are. Continual sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess the name of Jesus, to do good and show and share with others. That's, that's spiritual, continual sacrifice, spiritual sacrifices. It's described for us. You haven't got to try and nut out what it means to do spiritual sacrifice. It's all there. So by starting with a declaration of praise, that's a really good thing to do. And that's one of the reasons why we do that. But there's another thing that comes. He says that we are built into a house. And the reason we're built into a house is that there is other world power to change this world by us being living stones as part of that as happened this morning when we prayed for the nation. Praising, thanking God for life in this, is alien in this world. You know, um, we celebrate um, American Thanksgiving because of Jody's husband, Matt, being an American. When he came, we embraced a tradition that is Thanksgiving. Every year we stop and take a day out on Thanksgiving Day. And it really is interesting because a lot of people say, they're thankful for things. And I'm not talking about what we do, but it, it highlights this whole thing of being thankful. The important thing is to be thankful to whom? You know, I'm really thankful that I got up this morning. Who am I thankful to? The stars? I'm thankful to God, the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit that I got up this morning. So we need to declare our praise to him our thanksgiving to him. And that is our spiritual sacrifice of praise. That's what the word tells us. So you don't have to be Einstein to work out how to be in the word, in, in, the, in the right relationship with the Lord as a holy nation, as a people set apart. So that's why we come together and we praise. And we're being built into a, 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 a building of life with Jesus as the cornerstone and the chief reference point This is how the kingdom comes to us and through us. 
We're meant to be a conduit for the kingdom to come at just the right time, in just the right way, as we stay connected to Jesus, a conduit of the kingdom for others. We receive it in the right way at the right time. As Kirk declared last week, as a people, this is where we're at, this is where we're going. We're ready to receive, Lord, because we want to walk the way you want us to walk. We want to be where you want us to be. So pour out your blessing, Lord, so that it can flow through us to those around us. Does this sound all right? Does it make sense to you? I hope so, because I think it's truth. I believe it is. I'm sharing it like it is, because it's what the Lord said to me. As vessels of life, listen to this, as vessels of life, we are subject to death threats from the enemy. I told you what happened to my dad. And our defense is Jesus and his kingdom come now for us. Important. I don't know whether I shared it with you. I might have shared it with my kinship group. But some weeks ago, I said, Lord, I'm sick of all this. I'm praying for people and I'm not seeing them get healed all the time. Yeah, I mean, I do see people get healed. But I, I was a little impatient with the Lord one day about why certain people weren't being healed. I said, Lord, what's going on? I said, I know you hear my prayer. I know you answer my prayer. Why is this healing not happening? He said, David, it's the enemy. Tell him to get out of the road so the kingdom can come. Pretty simple answer. It was black and white. You see, the enemy wants to stop the kingdom coming. But we have the authority in the kingdom to tell the enemy to get out of the way. Move aside. Go. Be gone. You're not welcome here. You have no authority here. You have no right, especially if there's a Christian involved. The enemy has no claim on you once you're born again in Jesus Christ. He'll try to tell you he has. He'll try to kid you and come as an angel masquerading as an angel of light. But it's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie. The truth is that you have been born again. You've stepped out, of, out from under the authority of Satan over your life because you've chosen to give your life to Jesus. Now, Satan does not want to hear that. And he acts as though it hasn't happened. But it has. It has happened. So you can say to him, just get away. And you have that authority to do that. Tell him to get out of your life, to get off your things. I have to do that every day. And sometimes it's very wearing in this battle. As many of you know, the battles are constant. And they will continue to be constant. But I tell you what, I'd sooner be fighting it from this side of the fence than that side of the fence. I'd sooner be fighting it in Christ than having to do a deal with the darkness. And that's what a lot of people do. They get involved in all forms of sorcery and other forms of gods and they start worshipping other gods to think they're going to get somewhere. All they're doing is digging a deeper hole for themselves. That's what drugs do. They take your mind from being sharp and they let the enemy come and play in your head. He loves to do that. Those of you that are struggling with that, I bless you to be set free from it in Jesus' name. Who? Oh, I think God means that. As vessels of life, we are subject to death threats. Don't forget it. But don't be dragged away from the living forever lifestyle that, into the dark places that fester death. Do you hear that? Don't let the enemy drag you away from the living forever lifestyle that has become ours in Jesus 
into the dark places of festering death. I'm running late. Together we're gathered to be life and light to others. And as we come together, we are a greater light to repel greater darkness. See, the world is getting darker. And if ever there was a time for the holy priesthood, the holy nation of people as we are, to be gathered and to be fervent, it's now. Alone, we are more vulnerable. Together, we're an army, not isolated targets. Oh, that's important. It's really important. If you feel like having to sleep in, that's okay. You don't come, but you're an isolated target as soon as you do that. The enemy knows that you belong in the family and you're not here, so he goes, oh, I think I'll have a shot there today. And he does. Yes, the church gathered is God's idea of the body of Jesus on and in the earth today. That's God's idea. Yes, we are aliens to darkness and brokenness. Yes, we are otherworldly. Yes, we are living stones, all taking our place in the wall in reference to Jesus. In Ephesians 2.22 it says, And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So not only are we coming together, but it's a place where God's spirit comes. So this is the icing on the cake. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in Jesus' church in a way that he does more than he is with you. I don't know if you've seen it, but I sure have. I've experienced many incredible connections with the Lord on my own, with him, hotel rooms, in bed, running down the street. But there's a dynamic that the Holy Spirit expresses of God's heart when we come together and gather. When we worship together, when we pray together, the Holy Spirit does something more. And so we experience, I believe, and the experience of my life has shown me that there are expressions of God that are more powerful and revealed in the saints gathered than in the saints scattered. So when we gather and celebrate together the goodness of God with praise and thanksgiving, we are not a people, we are the people. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. Be the people of God, people. Better the way God designed it together. <laughs>